Well, last week we began our new series titled, He Gets Us, a series that has every intention to walk us through the narratives of Jesus's life that demonstrate that he understands what we go through as human. And actually last week we began in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16. Where we actually learn who Jesus is. How it is that he can possibly understand. And we learn that Jesus is not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But in every respect was tempted as we are. Yet did not sin. Scripture reveals to us that Jesus did in fact suffer numerous amounts of times because of his humanity. But in that we do not want to lose the divinity of Jesus. But simply want to see and enhance his humanity in order to see more fully and more clearly the work that he accomplished for us on the cross. And so our passage today comes from Matthew chapter 26 verses 36 through 46. It is one of those narratives that shows us the humanity of Jesus and how he gets us. Let us read together from Matthew 26 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very, very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to this passage today, it is my prayer that we would see more fully and more clearly who you are. That your humanity would be on display for us. That we might have more understanding of how you understand us. And that understanding you 
we may come to worship and glorify you more and more and more as we have been commanded to worship in spirit and in truth. And so knowing the truth of your struggle, it shows us how you relate in our struggle. And that the price you paid on the cross was of infinite worth and value. And so Jesus, be glorified today in the hearing of this word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I could start with a story about last night. And about the depth of anxiety that comes from watching Georgia go down three to zero. And then watching them go down 10 to zero. And then watching them go down to 13 to zero. And the anxiety that it induced in me was enough for me to say, I am no longer watching this game. And so I turned it off. And for others who also love football, that is also your story as well, I'm sure, as this season has been a roller coaster ride for every team that has decided to watch football this season. It is as if there is no dominant team. Every team has wavered at some point. But I don't want to talk about football, even though I just did. <laughs> What I want to talk about is the very first time that I remember having my very first panic attack. I was eight or nine years old, an age that seems far too early to be experiencing something such as a panic attack. And to be honest, I can't really remember all of the specifics. I don't even remember what situation brought it on. But I do remember being in a car. I remember it being evening. I remember my whole family being present. I remember that we were driving home from some event. And I also remember the full feeling of being completely overwhelmed to the point that I couldn't breathe, that my chest was so tight that I started to hyperventilate and I got so nauseous that we had to pull over so that I could throw up. To this day, I cannot forget the overwhelming sense of dread that had come over me, the crushing weight of anxiety in that moment that caused me to panic. I could not escape. It seemed like the moment would never pass. But after we had pulled over, both my parents came around me, hugged me, and did everything they could to calm me down. Slowly but surely, I regained myself. I could breathe. I could think. I felt safe. That was a moment that I cannot forget. And over the years, I've had several more moments where panic attacks have set in. They come out of nowhere. 
But every one of them, every one of them, I can tell you one thing that I know for certain. That they come from a sense of being completely out of control. And anxiety ruling my life. Have you ever felt the grip of anxiety upon your life? The feeling of wondering what is coming next. Wondering if something will ever end. Fearing the worst. Maybe it's from the daily stressors of constantly reflecting on the health of a loved one. Maybe it's caused by financial burden, wondering whether or not you'll ever get your finances in check. Maybe it comes from dissatisfaction in work life whether you're dealing with employees or dealing with employers, nothing seems to be going as planned. Or maybe, like many people in the last three years, it was caused by a pandemic. Or world health statistics even show that the rate of anxiety increased by 25%. Over the last three years. In fact, that number was reached in just three months of the beginning of the pandemic. That's a substantial number. So maybe you found yourself more anxious because of what we went through as the world. And when we find ourselves in the throes of anxiety, we often think that we are all alone. That nobody could possibly understand what it is that we are going through. What is more, that we've convinced ourselves that even if we told people, they might ridicule us, make fun of us, reject what it is that we feel. Or they might try to one-up your anxiety with their own anxieties. How they've been through much worse situations. We should just get over it. I've heard that before. Definitely not the response that I want when we are going through those hardships. But our passage today we see that there is one who knows the very worst of it all. But his desire is to not use it against us, but as a means to sharing in the pain with us that he has been one to come and one to understand the difficulties that come with a human nature, that come from a fallen and broken and so as we turn to our passage today, let's first put it in a little bit of context. You see, Jesus up to this point has been in his ministry for approximately three years. And he's been walking throughout all of Galilee, all of Samaria, all of Judea, 
proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God was at hand. And along the way, as he gained more and more followers, he also gained more and more enemies. Particularly those of the religious elite, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That became afraid of him, that became afraid of his teachings and how he spoke with such authority. They were afraid because he was winning the hearts of the people. They were afraid because they were losing their control and their grip on the people that once turned to them. They now turned to this rabbi from Nazareth. And as their fear grew, so did their malice intent. To the point that they contrived a plot to arrest him and kill him. But from the beginning, from the beginning of Jesus' time, we knew, he knew, that the outcome of his ministry, about everything that he was doing, was going to lead to the cross. And yet he kept going because he knew that the sacrifice was worth it. He knew that his destination and that his final days approached, he knew that it was worth it. And so at the beginning of our passages, chapter today, in chapter 26, we hear how Jesus reiterates time and time again that he is about to die. At the beginning of the passage, he says to his disciples, after two days, the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. He knew everything about his impending death. But still he had work that needed to be done. And then in Bethany, a woman anoints him with oil. And Jesus says again, for she has done a beautiful thing to me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for, bur for burial. And then he has his last supper with his disciples, a Passover celebration a time to remember the good of what God has done. And yet he proclaims, I tell you I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And then he has a conversation with Peter and tells him you're going to deny me because of what is about to transpire. In every instance, Jesus proclaims his death. Because he has prepared his entire ministry for this moment. And yet, being God, knowing everything, was not enough for his human nature to not take over. And so we hear from these words in verse 37. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful. And troubled. And then he said to them, my, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. You see, in this moment, we get a full glimpse of the humanity of Jesus. We see his Souls cry from the very depth. We see that even the Savior of the world feels the pain that we feel. 
What's more, we grasp the depth of his despair as he faces about what is to come. That this Jesus, that he knew that he was going to a cross, he was about to suffer one of the most painful and excruciating deaths that is possibly imaginable. Funny enough, the word excruciating comes from the same root as the word crucify. And he always knew it. It's why he became incarnate, why he chose to walk among us. But even knowledge of what was to come was not enough to subdue the anxiety and distress that was within him. And then we even hear him that he cries out to the Father. He prays earnestly. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you, as you will. See, I don't know about you and your moments of anxiety in your life, but I can relate with anxiety in my life. There have been so many times where I just wanted to collapse, where I have collapsed. And here in the midst of Jesus' own distress, we see him collapsing to the ground. In the middle of the garden, he fell on his face. He has been going and going and going in his ministry. Three years pouring out on his disciples and his followers and the people that came to him. Healing the sick, mending the brokenhearted, meeting with the marginalized. And here it catches up to him in the garden. All while knowing that he was going to have to die for them. He's come to his end. The weight, the burden causes him to fall to his face. And he cries out a prayer that is hardly fathomable. A prayer that I cannot believe comes from the mouth of the Savior. Father, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to taste the cup. A cup that I have never known, a cup that says separation, that means wrath from the Father, a Father that I've only known the goodness of, the Father that I've only known the love of, and here I am about to drink from the cup that you have given me. The cup of wrath. Psalm 75 verse 8 teaches us, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, with foaming wine well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the, to the dregs. And Jeremiah 25, 15 through 16 teaches us, Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending among them. It wasn't just death that caused Jesus to be filled with so much anxiety. It was that for the first time he was going to have to experience the wrath of his father instead of his love. 
a wrath that he took on him very on his very self so that we would not have to Jesus prayed God let this cup pass from me The last thing that we can actually see about his moment of distress in the garden of Gethsemane comes from Luke 22 verse 44 And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Interestingly enough, this isn't some miraculous thing that happened. It's a well-documented medical condition called hematohydrosis. It is in this moment where in great suffering from extreme levels of stress and anxiety that it ruptures the blood vessels in the sweat glands causing causing one to literally sweat blood. If I ever got to this point, my panic attack would never come down. But I can't stress enough how much Jesus was going through in this moment in the garden. How deeply he understands the anxieties of the broken, fallen world in which we live. How much he faced in that moment. And the more that I think about this passage, the more that I realize the depth, not just of Jesus' anxiety, Not just how much he is going through in this moment. But how much in the worst moments of my own life. Jesus must have compassion for me. And how in the worst moments of your life. How much compassion Jesus has for you. Because he understands. He's lived through it. He's been through it. And what's better is that he's never going to say to a single one of us, I had it worse. Suck it up. He's never going to compare what he went through with what we went through. Because he's not that person. And he's not that God. Jesus We must continually remember, as we learned last week, that he is the great high priest who sympathizes with us. He went through it to demonstrate that he knows and understands the human experience. To show us that he cares. Verse 16 in Hebrews 4 reminds us that he suffered not just to, that he didn't just pay the price of our sins. But in paying the price that we may confidently draw near the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. He recognizes those moments of anxiety in our life as times of need, not times to be told to get over it. And so there are three main things that I think we can grasp from Jesus' experience in the garden. Things that we can walk away with when we feel the overwhelming presence of anxiety in our lives. They are these. 
the first and foremost. So we have to go to God in prayer. The passage tells us that Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus demonstrates for all of us that in this time of need, that we must first and foremost need to go to the Father, just like he first and foremost had to go to the Father. In fact, he teaches his disciples in Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, we are called to be a people of prayer and we're called to pray to our Father who is in heaven. We're told to go and get alone with God. Jesus, his alone time was in a garden. I find my place to get away and be alone is in this space during the week. Yours might be at home in a comfy chair in your living room. It doesn't matter where or what your secret place looks like, but we must each have one where we can get alone with God to pray. And it's in that same vein of thought that I must make emphasis that Jesus is the first person we turn to. Remember, he is our great high priest. An emphasis on that word priest, which we learned last week, means the one who is a mediator to God for the people. The one that stands in the gap between us and God. In the Old Testament, there was a set of humans that did that. But for the follower of Jesus, Jesus does that. There is no priest in greater capacity than Jesus to be our advocate on our behalf. That includes among the priesthood of believers. We all have the ability to go to God ourselves. But Jesus is saying, go, come to me, come to the Father, come to us first before you go to someone else and invite them into your life before you invite them into your anxiety. But that also brings me to number two. Surround, with, surround yourself with people that love you. Surround yourself with people that will understand and will care, who will be there for you in your worst moments. Yes, first and foremost, we go to God in our time of need, but also we bring friends with us. I love this passage because Jesus was not afraid to show his anxiety to his friends. He wasn't afraid to be human in front of them. And I think oftentimes it's so easy for us to hide from those that care about us. It's so easy to turn away and try to do it on our own. It's so easy because we don't want to what? We don't want to burden them. We don't want to share with them our hurts and our struggles to burden them with what we're going through. But Galatians 6.2 reminds us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
We are called to share in each other's burdens. We are called to be Christ to one another. We need to find ourselves people who are willing to hear our stresses and anxieties, who pray with us and encourage us. I also want to clarify in this passage, the disciples were really, really bad at it. It is, Jesus had to go to them several times. In fact, he says, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me for one hour? Pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Even in the midst of our burdensome times, our friends aren't going to be perfect. They're not going to be great at fulfilling every need and desire we have. And that's okay. That's why we go to Jesus first. But I also want to say this. Don't be afraid that in that moment to correct your friends to become more Christ-like. We have to be willing to receive that we aren't perfect, but we can be led toward perfection. And so even in your time of need, they also need Jesus. They need to be pointed to Jesus. And so point them if they aren't fulfilling that call to be all that they should be in that moment. That's what friends are for, to point us to Jesus Finally, and most importantly, and the thing that I honestly struggle with most, we have to trust God's plan and will above all else. It says, in going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And a third time, he went away and prayed the same prayer. Jesus knew it was about to come. He was under great amounts of anxiety and distress for it. But he went to the father in prayer and he surrounded himself with friends but he also had to trust that no matter the outcome, that the Father's will would be fulfilled and it would be good. I'm not one who likes to give up control, to open my hands and let God be God. But that is exactly what this passage through Jesus teaches us. That in his most distressing moment, knowing full well about what he was about to experience on the cross and having the cup of wrath poured out on him, that there is nothing you can do except trust in the will of God. I'm constantly reminded of two passages, Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. And then James 1, 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 
These two passages constantly remind me, and I hope they remind you of God's will and how it is always good that no matter the stress or anxiety that I am under, no matter the stress and anxiety that you are under, that you could face, that you will go through, that Jesus' death was not for nothing, but God is still sovereign and God's plan is still good. And so we can go to him. We can surround ourselves with people that will point to him. And we can trust his will for our life. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we know that you are God. That every good thing comes from you. And that there is nothing that you can do that is evil for us. Even in the worst of times, even in the most anxious moments, you still fulfill yourself in the midst of it all. And so, Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.